This is Speaking of Speaking. Quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thanks, Matt. Yes, it is another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. couple of quick things before we get to today's episode. I've talked about this a few times already where we have a brand new podcast that will be dropping. Now, you might be wondering what's happening with this show. Absolutely nothing. It's going to keep going, but we're going to have two podcasts. We'll have one that's more geared towards speaking and communications and presentations and business building skills. The other podcast will be specifically dedicated to podcasting podcasters, the journey to get into podcasting, and how to really knock your podcast out of the park for really huge success and get the audience that you want. So that podcast is coming shortly. So keep an ear open for that. Now to go along with that, we're also going to be launching a Patreon group, which will service both podcasts. So more details about that and how you can also participate in 60 episodes in 30 days. How are we going to do 60 episodes in 30 days? Sounds exhausting. It'll be fun getting it all together anyways, but we'll be sharing more information about that and the benefits to that, especially if you are going to be a new Patreon member of either podcast. All right. My guest today is Elisa DiNapoli, and Elisa DiNapoli is the best-selling author of the book, online course and podcast, Dare to be Seen, which helps artists command the stage, magnify their presence and defeat stage nerves as well so they can share their gifts with their audiences and shine their light on the world. She is an artist coach, hypnotherapist, and multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter. She also helps artists who need to find a way forward, get their project going, and figure out how to turn their creative, artistic, or performance skills into a new venture. So a lot of different things that she does. We're going to be talking a lot about performance and specifically something we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast today, and that's stage fright. So, Elisa, welcome to Speaking of Speaking. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. Now, you came to us through a different channel in the sense that you found our podcast and reached out directly that way. You had heard some of the shows. You heard our episode with Marlene Cameron when Marlene was talking about stage fright. And then Natalie Clack was talking about her journey as well. And that inspired you to reach out and give an introduction and say, how about having me on your show, which is sometimes what happens to podcasters and how they get their guests actually is when guests actually reach out to them. Yes, indeed. I was listening to these interviews and I related quite a lot to them, but I also thought that it might be useful to offer a slightly different perspective. And that perspective that we're going to talk about a lot today is related to stage fright. Now, it was actually the focus of my very first episode way back. We're talking back in 2019 when this show launched. So it's been a few years since we've actually covered the subject. So why don't we dive into that today? Because it is one of those things that you have a journey that you've been on and a unique perspective, but you've also helped people through it as well. So let's talk about your journey and how you were able to overcome that performance anxiety. Yes, indeed. So in the beginning of my stage fright was pretty early on. I was 12 and I was doing my piano recital and froze completely in front of uh, the audience 
could not do what I knew very well I could do. And so I stopped playing piano and uh, thought, oh, maybe if I play the guitar, it'd be different, but it wasn't. And so after many, I kept, you know, playing the guitar, but for many, many years, it was terrible. I had a terrible time whenever there was an actual concert, before the concert, during and after And I just came to hate it to the point, you know, where I thought maybe I should just give up. But giving up wasn't really an option because I love my music. You know, I love writing songs. So my heart was broken, you know, when I thought that thought. And I thought, well, I can't really do that, can I? It's not a choice. So I need to find a way out of this. So I tried, you know, everything. I tried drinking doesn't work. (laughs) Drinking never works. I mean, not drinking loads and loads of wine or anything, but just a couple of glasses of wine were too much. I would forget the chords of my songs and blank out. At one point, I even had to run out of the pub where I was playing because suddenly I went blank. I couldn't remember anything, even though I knew my song. I played it a million times. That was humiliating. I thought, I'm never going to do that again. And then I went to the doctor, I explained the problem, and they were like, oh, take beta blockers. So I took beta blockers, and I could play, but I felt a bit like an automaton, like a robot. You know, it was almost like seeing myself from the outside, and I didn't feel any emotions. I was not connected to my songs. And I hated that feeling because, you know, the point of playing is to actually express yourself, and I didn't feel like I cared at all. So then I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could get some acting and improv lessons. So I did that. That was great. It helped me to become more present in my life in general. And I had a lot of fun, but it didn't really help with the performance anxiety. Like it helped to talk to the audience more naturally, for sure. But Mm -hmm. it didn't help me to feel okay about it. So then I realized, wait a minute, there's something I'm missing here. Like there's a huge blind spot. And being a hypnotherapist, as well as a coach, I've helped people with all kinds of issues using hypnosis. But I never thought, oh, maybe I could use hypnosis <laughs> on this. <laughs> maybe I could hypnotize myself. <laughs> well, maybe the... I could someone else. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you identify, were you able to identify what the problem or what the cause of the anxiety was? Yes. Let me ask that yes. question. Yes, the problem of the anxiety for me was a extreme fear of judgment, which really means fear of rejection, right? And I actually believe that that's basically the reason why we get so nervous. Now, why we have such an excessive fear of rejection has a couple of different reasons. Yeah. For me, it was more to do with imagining everybody judging me, thinking I'm not good enough. I'm just, you know, uh, if I make a mistake, that's the worst possible thing that could happen. Then they're going to like basically think, who do you think you are? You know, you should go back home and study a bit more and then maybe... Yeah. But usually either there's a negative conditioning, such as these experiences are, or there is negative mental rehearsal, which is basically when we worry and imagine the terrible things that could happen if we get on stage and we got it wrong. Sure. Or it's a combination of the two, both of them together. And for me, it actually was a combination of the two. 
which makes it super powerful. So what happened is that I went to another hypnotherapist and I told okay. him, okay, this is the problem, you know. And he gave me three sessions. And during these three sessions, what happened is we didn't really deal with the traumatic events or the beliefs. But what we did do is that we looked at different attitudes where instead of focusing on judgment, I was focusing on being in the present moment and enjoying myself and being kind of like egoless in a way where I'm focusing more on the song and the feeling of the song rather than anything else, right? So that I'm not self-conscious, but I'm more thinking about, or not thinking at all, but if I were thinking, I would be thinking about the song. Now, this helped quite a bit, but it didn't completely resolve the problem. Then I thought, wait a minute, okay, so this is one guy, this is one hypnotherapist, is one kind of way of looking at it and it does work but it's not a hundred percent so then i started researching the subject and asking different colleagues and what they thought you know and put together basically a, a possible program of interventions and then i thought okay i'm going to focus on this and i'm going to get clients that have this problem and then i'm going to try all these different techniques and see what works and what doesn't right so you're going to put and them so under the microscope and see what's going to work and hopefully right. you know, help them, but it also helped me because after I studied all of this and I worked with all these people, I was actually able to understand the problem a lot better and understand the different causes and the different possible treatments. And then I put it all together and then I thought, oh, but what about me? Like I need this too. So yeah. I thought, well, I'm seeing, you know, people one-on-one, -on -one, but there is tons and tons of people in the world with this problem. Yeah. So I thought, okay, what if I, you know, write a book about this and then I make a course with actually hypnotic tracks there so that not only I can reach thousands of people in the world, but also I can listen to this myself. So I can be my own hypnotherapist, if you like, mm -hmm. and resolve my own problem. And so I walk the talk. I'm not just like saying to other people what to do, but I'm actually doing it too. While you're helping other people as yeah. well. Is it something that goes away? Does that anxiety go away or has it gone away? Or is it something that you work at all the time? A certain amount of anxiety is normal. For, yes. You know, and it actually helps. You know, if you don't care at all, your performance might be quite... Amazing. It keeps it real when there's a little bit of fear attached yeah, to just it. Just a little though. But the paralyzing fear, has that subsided or do you have to, I ask this question because I know there are other human conditions such as, and I know this isn't necessarily in your wheelhouse, but such as chronic fatigue, for example, where individuals can overcome it with the right amount of work, but they also have to keep working at it. And if they feel an episode coming on, then they have to go back into doing their deep visualizations or whatever. To, so is it something for you that is now you're working with other clients, which is fantastic, but do you also have to keep working at it? Or is it something that has, for the most part, I can say I've overcome stuttering, but every now and again, I have to be aware if my anxiety or stage fright or whatever it is, self-confidence issues have gotten the better of me in a moment. So do you find that you've overcome it or are you still working at it? I'm still working at it, but it has gone on so much better. So the way I see it is like going to the gym to get fit. You know, if you only go to the gym 
you know, for a bit of time because you want to run a marathon. Yeah, sure. And now you're fit, you run the marathon. But if suddenly you, after the marathon, you go, oh, actually, well, now I'm fit. I'm not going to go to the gym ever again. You're going to get unfit and then you have to go back to the gym. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But the amount of work that it's going to require after the marathon, it's considerably smaller, you know, than the amount of work that was required before the marathon because now you're fit. So it's just maintaining the fitness, getting a little bit, you know, maybe be even better you know now you're getting more and more confident but if you completely stop then you know eventually i'm not saying you're going to go back to the beginning because that sure no it's, it's not like that but you do need to keep working at it in a positive fashion to build experiences of confidence let's move on a little bit because something else that i wanted to talk about here was this fear making you a bad performer and i'm assuming fear doesn't make you a bad performer it just can really affect your performance, but you actually have ways that you can stop that panic or stop that mindset in three easy steps. So let's talk about that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So what I'm talking about there is the fight or flight response specifically right? Because, you know, performance anxiety can come up in different ways, right? So, you know, it could be that, oh, you just can't sleep the day before, or suddenly you have IBS just before or during a performance, you know, there's all kinds of things that could happen. But if the fight or flight response gets triggered, just mm-hmm. as you are on stage during the performance or right before, then actually there's an easy way to stop this, diffuse it and get calmer. Because basically what's happening is when you are in fight or flight, the amygdala, which is the alarm center of the brain, is switched on. And it's saying, there is a threat here. We are in danger. And when the amygdala is on and it's saying that, it's because if we were in the wild and there was a real threat, like a lion threatening to kill us, well, we would need to really react very quickly. We would have to either kill this lion, run away from this lion. That's it. Fight or flight. Or freeze or pretend we're dead. I don't know if it would work with a lion, but, you know, it might. It's either so, dinner or be dinner, right? Basically. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is that your adrenaline and cortisol, the stress hormones, start pumping into the body, getting you ready for this fight or for this flight. And that would work if there's a real threat. But when you're on stage, there is no actual real threat. It's an imagined threat, which is the same for the brain. doesn't matter for the brain. You know, if you're imagining a threat or there is a threat, it doesn't matter. For the brain, it's the same thing. The amygdala gets switched on. So we want to switch it off. We want to switch off the sympathetic nervous system that gets switched on. It needs to be off. And the good news is that we have a parasympathetic nervous system, which does the opposite thing. It's responsible for us going to sleep at night, for example, right? Mm. So the two cannot be on at the same time. It's like a double switch. If one is on, the other is off. You can't have a panic attack while asleep. You know, you're asleep. So the trick is to switch on this parasympathetic nervous system. And there's two main ways of doing this. Quite simple ways. So the first one, and you can do both of them or just one of them. But I would suggest doing both of them because then it's a double whammy. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would suggest is to engage in aerobic exercise for five minutes. So what is this? This is like running up and down the stairs, dancing, jumping up and down, you know, jumping jacks, whatever is going to get your heart rate up and simulate the fight against the lion, so to speak, or the running away against the lion. Right. Right. Okay. So it's basically saying to the body, we're doing something about this threat. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what would happen naturally after you do something about a real threat like that. Your parasympathetic nervous system switches on. It's like, oh, the threat is over. Now we've run away. We've killed the lion. Now we can relax and go to sleep. So the aerobic exercise is very important and it needs to be done for long enough that you use the energy generated by the adrenaline and the cortisol, right? So then once you've done that, step number two is to engage in diaphragmatic breathing, which is the kind of breath where you breathe through your belly. You might imagine that your belly is like a balloon. You're inflating it out. You breathe in, you count to four, stop for a count of two, and then you breathe out to the count of eight. But it's important you do this through your nose only and that you keep your mouth closed and that you do this for five minutes. This has got to do with the amount of oxygen and carbon dioxide that goes in through the system when you only use your nose as opposed to your mouth. And also the amount of time is important because if you only do it for 60 seconds, ain't going to work. It's just not going to happen. You need to give it time for the parasympathetic nervous system to really engage so that the amygdala can go, okay, threat over. So once you've done these two things, these are the most important things. The third step is kind of like turbocharging it. So like, even if you didn't do the third step, you could still be successful, like as in you would calm down, right? Right. But the third step just makes it even better because in the third step, now that you're calm, now you can engage in positive self-talk and then positive mental rehearsal. So you couldn't do that before because when the amygdala is on, when the sympathetic nervous system is switched on, the prefrontal cortex, so the part of our brain that's responsible for rational thinking, analytical thinking, right. is not working properly, right? It's not working properly because if you were in an actual situation of threat, you wouldn't have time to start thinking about oh, maybe the lion is not really a threat. Oh, maybe the lion is a friendly one. You couldn't be engaging in nuanced talk because you'd be dead. So it needs to right. be like black and white, you know, life or death, decide now. Everything is exaggerated. So if someone says to you while you're having a panic, well, but it's okay, the people like you, you're like, yeah, 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 shut up. You know, you're not going to be able to engage right. in positive talk. That's a good point to make because how often does that happen where, and I've worked with speakers where I've even found myself guilty of doing it, where I say, you're going to be fine. You're great. You're awesome. You're going to kill it up on stage. Maybe I shouldn't use the word kill it up on stage, but <laughs> maybe that's part of the problem too. But you know, word choice is important, but also it's still not getting through because I'm like the lion, right? I could be a friendly lion or I could eat them for dinner. They're just not going to listen to you because they're not calm enough. You know, it doesn't. Right. Okay. And you're saying that 10 minutes, so five for the five for the aerobics and five for the breathing and not a combination of nose and mouth. I always thought it was a combination of nose and mouth, but all through the nose in and out. Okay. In on a count of four, hold it out on a count of eight. So it's slow breathing out. Mm-hmm. The numbers are not important. What is important is that the out-breath is much longer than the in-breath. Right. Right? So okay. it could be okay. four, pause for two, out for eight or longer. Okay. And then positive yeah. self-talk to, yeah. you're great, you're awesome, you can do this. Yeah. And also, you know, remember, like another part of this is that you want to do this engaging your body. So you want to embody this positive self-talk. You don't want to just say it. Because, you know, I could say, oh, I'm great. 
you know, like I'm not embodying it. My body's maybe I'm slouching, you know, and I'm saying yeah. this with this tone of voice. It's just not going to work. I don't believe it. So much better is you stand up Then the third part, you stand up, you ground yourself by imagining your feet are like the roots of a tree going inside the earth. So you're really solid. And then, you know, you stand up straight, you look right in front of you, hands by your side, you're not moving, you know, you're just solid like a tree. And then you say these things, imagining how would I stand if I really believed these things to be true? Because what I'm doing is I'm giving my subconscious mind a picture of what I want. And my subconscious is here to serve me, but I need to give it the right picture. If I give it a picture of something I don't want, like I don't want to be nervous. Well, the subconscious here is nervous. And goes, okay, we're nervous now. Or if you say, you know, the more I present, the better I become. It is something you can believe in and you picture it in your mind. What does that look like? How does my body stand when I believe that? What does my voice do when I believe that? So that makes it actually work. Because if you're just saying it and your body's saying something else, you're going to go with the body. Wow, this has been a huge insight. Aliza... DiNapoli, this is a great discussion. I'm so glad that we had a chance to chat and that it stemmed from you being a fan of the podcast. And by the way, thank you so much for listening to the episodes and your feedback. I want to make sure that we put the link to your podcast as well in the show notes, but also you've written a book. So tell us about the book and how can people get the book? The book is called Dare to be Seen. And in this book, I talk about all these things that I've been talking about with you, but in more detail. So kind of give first understanding of the subconscious mind, anxiety, hypnosis, what actually is hypnosis, how does it work, why is it going to help you? And then in the second part of the book, I've got 10 sessions outlined, which are the 10 sessions that I actually use with my clients one-on-one. And the idea is that if you want, you can learn how to create these sessions for yourself. But also, if you don't want to do that, or you don't have time, or you want someone else to do it for you, then I created these 10 sessions. I've recorded them. And so you have the possibility of listening to them as if you were with me one-on-one. So that's like an online course that I've got. And I've got one free session to sort of give people a bit of an idea of what that is like. And so for the people listening to this podcast, I've made this book free. So all you really need to do if you want to download the book is go to elisadinapoli.com slash speaking, and you will be able to get the book for free. Also, if some of your audience are not readers and they prefer to have, you know, something more in person, kind of to have something in a different medium, then I also have created a free masterclass. So the masterclass goes in more depth about the things we've talked about today. And that's free too. So you can find that on my website. Again, elisadinapoli.com. It appears, you will see it. So (laughs) that's another option. We can link to all of that if you'd like, so people can follow your work or work with you or certainly deep dive more into what we've talked about today. So thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a phenomenal discussion, and I certainly hope it's been helpful to you as well if you've been listening to move that fear, that anxiety to you know really not having it paralyze you because it can paralyze you and have you in a place where you can't even perform or go to work or whatever. So make sure that you don't let it paralyze you, I guess is what I'm saying. Elisa DiNapoli, before I let you go, final thought for the audience. Well, final thought, the most important thing to always remember when you are trying to change anything about yourself is to focus on what you want 
not what you don't. So focus on what you want. Don't use negative words such as, I don't want this, I don't want that. We all do it, right? And ask yourself, well, what would I rather have instead? Because the universe doesn't know the difference. (laughs) And your mind doesn't know the difference. Right, right. Your mind doesn't understand negatives because a negative is just related to an object that exists, but the negative itself doesn't exist. Interesting. Fascinating. And a great way to end things for a fantastic episode. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. Speaking.